welcome to Make Change Fun and Easy with your happiness expert, Samia Bano. This is the podcast to help change makers, coaches, trainers, and healers break your chains of fear so you can create the impact and income you desire with fun and ease. Please make sure you subscribe to enjoy every episode. This podcast is sponsored by the Happiness 101 program. Hello, salam, shalom, namaste, sashikal, aloha, hola, ciao, bonjour, buna, and privyat. It's really, really amazing to be with you again. And oh, I'm so happy that you have joined us today. We have a very special guest. It's Hans Schumann. He is a lawyer turned career and life coach. And he helps you create a life that feels exciting and fulfilling. I love that. Welcome, Hans. Well, um, welcome, Samia. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Really great to be here. Yes, so happy to have you with us. And please tell us more about who you are and what you do. Right, yes. I mean, I'm German-born, as you may get from my German accent, but I have been living in London for 25 years. And for most of my life, I've been doing something completely different. I was a lawyer, first in a private practice law firm and then in a bank. And I had a big burnout that really prompted me to reevaluate what I really want to do with my life. And that was my mid-40s. And I connected to something that has been a threat through my life, personal growth. I've always been fascinated by understanding how people function, mm-hmm. um, talking about problems and deep themes in people's life. And I thought, what kind of job would allow me to do all of this and get paid for it? And that's coaching. So I've been a coach for eight years now. And I started very much as a career coach, helping people find a new career that they enjoy. But it has become much bigger than that. It's basically about understanding how do we function and how we are more effective in living the life that we want. Mm, That is so cool and so interesting. And I believe you have a really cool model or um, uh, like way that you sort of help your clients crack the code of who they are, as it were. Can you tell me more about that? I call it crack the code of who you are because um, very often we don't really know how we function. Mm. Just think of your you um, you probably know more about your mobile phone than about how your brain works. You know, there are apps on your phone and you update them regularly and you delete some that we no longer need. Well, we are very complex, not devices, but human beings as well. And we also have lots of programs, but most of us don't really know what are my programs. And am I still running for, on all programs from my childhood that don't really serve me? So if we want to be, well, that's my view, if we want to be effective in hitting our life and career goals, it's important that we really understand how we function because there may be programs that hold us back. Procrastination, fears, doubts, self-sabotage. 
And what you referred to that's cracked the code of who you are is a process that helps me very quickly to understand how does a client function and help the client to understand how they function. It's a little bit like getting a manual, they get a report, which is like a manual that tells them these are the instructions manual to you. And this is then the start of a coaching journey. That is cool. The, the model is not my invention, has been actually around for thousands of years and other coaches use it too. And I've decided to make this the main pillar of my coaching um, system. It's called the Enneagram and it's a system of archetypes, um, of archetypes of personality. It's built around the diagram and I'm going to show this on the screen, yeah, share the screen. I know not everybody will be able to see the diagram because you may be listening via audio. It's basically a circle that identifies nine archetypes of personality and they have names like strict perfectionist or adaptive peacemaker. And what they what they represent, they represent um, defense mechanisms that we once created as a child. Um, when we were little, we were completely dependent on adults for our survival. And we made up a strategy of who we thought we needed to be to get through life. We kind of subconsciously decided it's no longer enough to just be me. I need to help a little bit. I need to be somebody different. And that's how we create a personality. And understanding the progress and how we end up at any of these archetypes and how that sometimes backfires is really a quantum leap in emotional growth mm-hmm. and this diagram helps it's, it's a map because the, the lines that you see connecting and um, the types they, they suggest growth journeys point to other types from which we can learn ah uh, can you maybe um give an example example yeah that would be so wonderful Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode. Hope you're getting value out of it. For your information, this episode has been sponsored by the Happiness 101 program. Are you a change maker, coach, trainer, or healer? Are chains of fear holding you back from making the impact and income you desire? Using a unique combination of positive psychology and the spiritual wisdom of our most effective change makers, the Happiness 101 program helps you break through your limiting beliefs and manifest the abundance and success you desire with fun and ease. Interested? book a free happiness 101 exploration call with me your happiness expert samia vano just use my online calendar link in the show notes now back to the show yeah for example if we take the type one the strict perfectionist that would have been a little boy or girl that decided hmm something isn't quite right here i think i need to help a little bit to be safe here And I think the best way to get through this, I just do what I'm told. If surely, if I follow um, what people want from me, I follow rules, I'm a good girl, a good boy, then I avoid criticism and criticism isn't safe. And that will get me through life. And that can create a person that is very... um, 
has a high value on integrity, following rules, high quality standards, but also a little bit rigid. You know, things are black and white, right and wrong. And they can be quite self-critical. Nothing is ever good enough because they have a high standard of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. So perfectionism has a quite tough experience of life because constantly they have the experience either I'm not good enough or others are not or the world isn't good enough. And that leads to a constant level of frustration and and and, and anger that they then suppress because anger is also regarded not as appropriate by this particular archetype. So how can this archetype grow? There are loads of different ways and the lines that you see across the diagram, they show two key ones. And one of the lines is from the type one to the type seven, who's called the enthusiastic visionary. So that's a type which is almost the opposite. That type would have decided in, in his, his or her childhood, you know, the best way to deal with all of this is I don't deal with it. I just distract myself because I don't need to deal with this problem. I just have fun, adventures. I think myself out of it. I fantasize, I dream. And this makes a very creative person, very enthusiastic, visionary, very good at generating ideas. And that is something that a strict perfectionist could benefit from. Rather being stuck in the rigidity of black and white, right and wrong, seeing all the shades of gray, gray, they can learn that from the type seven. Okay, A doesn't work, B doesn't work, no matter. We can do C, D and E, and let's have some fun also. And rules are there to be bent. Let's be a little bit more flexible. And equally, the same applies the opposite. The type seven can learn from the type one. Rather than jumping around, having more projects than they can ever digest, that that put more on their plate that they can actually eat, having a little bit of laser focus, following something through from the beginning and to the end. Yes, that is such an interesting, um, interesting way to kind of think about it. It makes me think about this book I was reading. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name of it. <laughs> but it, it used a different model, but it was sort of like similar in the sense that it was identifying on the one hand, like major sort of patterns uh, or, or challenges that people can deal with. And then on the mm-hmm. other side, it was like, okay, so if you have this pattern and this set of challenges um, that seem to crop up over and over in your life, then here is a pattern of behavior uh, that if you, if you work towards um, cultivating, that it can help uh, solve your solve your issues. And in that book, interestingly, they also took a very sort of um, spiritual approach to this whole topic. And so they were talking about it from the perspective of, you know, we we all come on this earth with a purpose, and uh, the purpose has to do with learning whatever certain lessons that we need to learn and so that is why you know we tend to uh, come with with personalities and life circumstances that sort of um, 
put us in these situations where these types of challenges and problems seem to keep cropping up and really that's to give us the opportunity to learn how to solve those problems yeah and 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 obviously the anagram is just one model and lots of people have models in different ways to achieve the same result and the anagram is is really also a spiritual tool i don't really talk about it like that to make it e easier for people to connect to it i'd look at it more as a human behavior and psychological tool but you're right in the end it is about returning also to who we really are the true essence behind the personality personality comes from the latin word persona which means a mask it's something that we chose to show the world to to get through and be protected but there is something else behind that. Mm. And sometimes when we catch ourselves, why am I like this? Why am I defensive or snappy? Why am I un unkind? Often it is really just a defense and we are very different behind that. And what I often say is uh, evolution has optimized us for survival, not for emotional balance and happiness. We react to difficult situations often as if it was a life and death situation. And a part of our brain reacts to differentiate between an office conflict and a tiger attacking us. And we either fight, flight, or freeze in different manifestations. And becoming more aware of when we do this and that we actually have a choice, we don't always need to react in the same way, can be really life-changing. Yes. That is such a good point that you're making that our brains are optimized for survival as opposed to other goals and values that we may also really um, not only like need, but like value. Like for me, I know um, one of my deepest needs that I have always been aware of for as long as I can remember and therefore also my strongest value is my need for inner peace and my value for cultivating peace both in the context of my own life and emotions but also in my environment and that has been such a like hugely driving factor but I can see how that has conflicted in my life with my need to protect myself and my survival uh, instincts like fighting with that need for peace um so you know i i've definitely seen my my value and need for peace coming in conflict with my survival instincts you know like for example the way that I more recently in the recent years became aware of this was, you know, as a happiness expert, I have literally for the last um, so many years of my life been really focusing on cultivating a mindset and, you know, just uh, beliefs and feelings and behaviors that are really um, about uh, optimizing my ability to maintain a happy mood a peaceful mood and all uh, all of that and a big aspect of that 
is to have an empathetic and compassionate perspective on life and on other people. Because if I get judgmental uh, in my relationships, for example, it's really difficult to maintain peace and happiness for myself or in my relationships. And so uh, I know that. But on the other hand, um, you know, where that comes in conflict with my survival instinct is if I perceive or judge someone to be engaging in abusive behavior towards me, then immediately my survival instinct takes over. And I'm like, I have to protect myself. I'm not going to allow anyone to abuse me. I cannot allow anyone to abuse me. And so, it, you know, that that quest to protect myself sort of takes over and I'm no longer, and it's like, not that I'm no longer able to, but it becomes really challenging for me. It's like something that I recognized about myself um, that it becomes really challenging for me to maintain my my empathy and compassion towards the other person and i just you know uh, just get um so like oh no this person's behavior is abusive and i cannot allow this i cannot you know um allow myself to get abused like you know that that thinking takes over and it it, it really does compromise not only in the moment, my inner peace, but also my ability to to engage in the most compassionate, loving ways with the other person. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And I see another dimension to that, that is sometimes to get to peace, we need to embrace conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one type here at the top, it's called the adaptive peacemaker. And they overdo the peace thing a bit. Their main focus is, I want to have peace and harmony, and that makes them avoid conflicts and speaking up what they really want and think. And they go along with what other people want. And after a while, they feel control. I'm not saying that's you. I'm just using it as an example. Actually, and that for them happened with me too. <laughs> that used to happen. And, and so I think, like, in some ways, um, as I try to um, grow out of that, uh, you know, I started to overcompensate on the other side. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, and for this particular archetype, the growth journey is the more I'm trying to avoid conflict, the more conflict I actually create because it doesn't go away. Yes. It, it's, it works below the surface. Yes. And to turn around, if I embrace constructive conflict, I actually get a much better peace and harmony. Just think about a relationship. If you don't ex discuss what your needs are because you don't want to upset the other person, they will never be met and you probably become resentful and then one day you just leave. Yeah. So in this level, it's not either or. Sometimes it's important to fight. Sometimes it's important to fight. Sometimes it's important just to comply and the resourcefulness and personal effectiveness comes from being more conscious. When do, am I doing this? When am I doing this on autopilot and doesn't actually serve me? Then would it be good to maybe switch to a different way of responding? Yes. Oh, that is another really excellent point. It's mm -hmm. the, the 
you need to recognize when you're doing something on autopilot versus when you're making a conscious choice uh, with the understanding that in this moment, this choice of behavior or this choice of response is the best that I can do or that I want to um, engage in because values that I have, etc. That is a great point. Yeah. And 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 this is really what what the symbol is about. If we if we don't understand those patterns, mm-hmm. then we run through life like zombies. We don't even know that we play the same thing. For example, I might think if somebody insults me, obviously I shout back. That may be my pattern, and I think this is the most normal way of reacting. But actually, I'm not really owning. You know, there are different ways. I don't actually need to own this. Yes. I could, I could either withdraw or I could have a spiritual view. Got the poor person. The poor person must be in pain. I could try to bring it back to an objective conversation. But we only have access to full choices if we've done the work to look. Okay, what are my autopilot modalities at the moment? Yes, that is such an excellent point. and makes me think of my next question for you so um this is like such a amazing tool to sort of help raise awareness of our patterns and who we are um crack our code as it were what's the next step after you raise awareness to creating change yeah well let me first say the awareness piece is massive Yes. And and often for my clients is first don't even try to change it. Mm-hmm. Just watch yourself as you are doing it, almost like a bystander, and and watch all the outcomes that you create and what it costs you. Mm. Um, and and what they practice is basically self observation. And let me tell you why I think this is so important. What we are discussing right now is self reflection. Mm. I I read things that have happened, and retrospectively, I can kind of analyze it and come up with a different strategy. That doesn't really change anything unless I can catch myself in the moment. So the first step is to practice observing ourselves. That we notice, oh, this is what I discussed with my coach. I'm doing that again right now. Oh, interesting. So that's really the first step. And then for each type, there are specific growth pieces. The journey will be different for each type. So for the type one that we discussed, the strict perfectionist, some of that is about dealing with their anger. They often don't even know they have anger because they suppress it. Um, they think anger is inappropriate, but they're constantly angry because things are not as they think they should be, and this is just so annoying. And even though they ha- they work so hard, and if somebody criticizes them, the little child comes out. But I've done everything that I was supposed to do, and I'm still being criticized, and it's really hard for them. So accessing the anger and finding ways to express it is really helpful for them. Another type one specific growth piece would be looking at the standard of perfectionism. Each 
each type has a trap in which they fall. And the trap of the type one, the strict perfectionist, is by trying to create perfect results, I play a game that I can never win because nothing ever is perfect. Mm. And I don't even enjoy my success because obviously I could have done better. And I immediately also go into the next goal. And, and that leads to a cycle of frustration and anger. So again, a very specific growth piece. And then we talked about the lines, learning to think and behave a little bit like a type seven. All the other lines to the type four, they're really attuned to their emotions. Mm-hmm. Being able to sit with some of the unpleasant emotions like anger, not suppressing them, but really processing them and finding way to deal with it. Yeah. Or becoming more creative, like a type four, they're called intensive creative, finding a really good outlet that taps in all the resourcefulness that type ones often don't really access, although they have it, because they're too strict on their linear processes and their and their worldviews of right and wrong and black and white. Ah, uh, yes. You know, I definitely had a very strong strict perfectionist streak and i think to a large extent i've learned to uh you know tap into these enthusiastic visionary and intense creative um aspects of myself and it's been very uh interesting actually um there there are so many different kinds of you know like personality tests and so forth and i remember when i um there's this particular um test called uh true colors and it's a simplified version of the meyer briggs actually and um so in the in this true colors uh uh version of the personality test they basically categorize uh, uh people in four major major personality types and um i remember when i the first time i took that test i was a very clear green personality um uh, and and you know that had a lot of the strict perfectionist tendencies and so forth um and then a few years later i took the test again and i came out uh, my most dominant personality type came out as blue uh, which is um i guess in this model probably is uh closest to i don't know i mean it definitely has more of these um the the maybe the uh, no wait can not considerate hopper i mean it, it's just a very different model but a blue is more of like a people's person a blue is more spiritually oriented as opposed to intellectually oriented and they're definitely more um easygoing in most cases than the you know uh, strict perfectionist and so forth and um i could totally see that like if i compared my myself and even in the feedback that i received from people in my life who knew me before and who know me now i'm a very very different uh person in so many ways 
uh, but interestingly, the person that I was taking the test with, when I shared this, that I used to be a really strong green and now the current result is showing that I'm uh, a very strong blue, they were they were surprised and they were like, this is very unusual. And they said most of the time, blues and greens tend to be opposites. Um, mm -hmm. And you don't find one person who has both a really strong green streak and a really strong blue streak. And most people don't change their colors um, so much over the course of their life. It's fairly unusual. Um, and I was like, okay, I mean, I can, I can kind of see that happening. Like a lot of people struggle in their lives to change the behavior patterns, um, and so forth. Um, but do you have like any sense of, I mean, in this model, is it like how, how, I mean, is it just like a natural and easy for people to to have these growth journeys from, for example, being strict perfectionist to enthusiastic visionary or something like that? Or is it like considered like what what's the perspective in, in this model on that point? I just can go back to some of the things that you said, these tests that you mentioned, they all um, go back to the same Jungian um, uh, model, which is quite different. And it looks at personality traits, um, which is different from the Enneagram. Although we also talk about traits, the differentiator between the types is the core motivation. It's an intention. And behaviors obviously can change. In particular, if you're a shy person, but you start working in a corporation, you will probably learn to be a little bit more confident. You may learn to be more structured, more organized, and there may be a different layer above your core type. Uh -huh. In the African world, um, the view is you never ever change your type, but you become a, a more evolved version of the type. We call this a journey of integration. What does it mean? It means you integrate aspects of other types as well. You have you don't move away from your um, from your core type, but you can tap into this. You have more tools available, and you have learned to manage or maybe even transcend the shadow side, the kind of darker side of your type, which they all have, like in the one, the anger or the type eight has the last, the type four, the envy, things that are really difficult to look at. But as we grow, and this is where it becomes spiritual, we can become a more evolved version of that type. Yeah, I really, I really like that because I, I think this perspective that you're sharing is a lot more empowering than to have a perspective where you think of oh, I have a personality type and it's really difficult to change. Because if you think it's difficult to change, then it's going to be difficult to change. Yeah, also when I, when I, when I, when I work with the Jungian types, and I want to say, to say they're all useful, all of them raise our emotional intelligence. But what I found with the Jungian tests, often they tell you things like I'm an introvert, I'm an extrovert. I think, okay, so what? 
what does it how does it help me and if you look at the Enneagram type each type could be an introvert an, an extrovert but for different reasons and it's really useful to understand the type one may be an introvert because it's so exhausting to be always perfect mm. that it's actually I get energy by withdrawing and not always be with people. The type four may be an introvert because they think nobody really understands me. I don't belong. The type five may be an introvert because they think leave me alone in my bubble. I want to have lots of time to understand and go into depth. Or the loyal skeptic, the six, may be an introvert because the world is perceived as dangerous and I am safe in my bubble. But they could also be extroverts. What this model gives us really understanding how does it come that I live my life in this particular way? Mm. Yes, yes. I really like that. I like it. I like it. Oh. So t tell me a little bit more about um, the next step. So, um, so, so we have this awareness, this amazing understanding, and then, um, and then what happens? Yeah, I mean, first of all, to have the full program. Um, process people would take an online test or they do a typing interview with somebody is certified like me then they get a report then you have the awareness and then you create a growth um, strategy wow. a work with different pieces that we explain there's so much to do there's really work for a life's work and you kind of pick themes that are most relevant for you and it also depends on your level of self-awareness what makes most sense for you to work on because some things are a little bit more advanced than others and ideally the practitioner makes it relevant to the life by talking at looking at specific relevant life scenarios to help um, the client with an and enable them to apply it and practice. Another dimension there is then also not to just understand your type, but also the other types. Mm -hmm. This is where it's really powerful for emotional intelligence and relationships, whether they are professional or personal, because we kind of tend to look at the world through our lens mm -hmm. and think, they're stupid, they don't get it. Why don't the type one may think, obviously I'm right, because rules are right, you should follow rules. And everybody else is kind of an idiot or is reckless or is rude. And the anagram helps us understand, well, it looks different from the perspective of the other person. And here, this is why. And actually, you would do quite well looking through their lens from time to time because actually that may enrich your life experience and give you additional tools so suddenly let's, let's assume you have a corporate if you have a team in an organization rather than judging each other's we realize oh yeah we are different and that's actually great because the more different perspectives we have the better solutions can we um, we find, so rather than judging, we allow each person to do their magic. Yes. Ooh, I love that. I love that. And definitely when we're thinking about making change fun and easy, whether it's in the context of personal change or in our relationships, having that understanding and that appreciation of the diversity uh, that exists among us is so so cool yay
I found that really powerful for my relationship. The whole kind of piece. And becoming a little bit humble by understanding, oh yeah, actually, that's also a good, good way to live life and to look at life. And, and how great is that? When I'm out with type sevens, for example, I have much more fun than on my own. And, and they loosen me up a little bit. Yeah. And, and also like, um, in business, I'm, I'm a type four. And I, I, I had a business um, project with somebody who was type three. They're very competitive and they're really good at selling and marketing. And I'm not strong in that. I'm always shy. Can I really say this about my brand? And it's good to have a little bit of type three energy and we complemented each other good. I was more bringing in the authenticity, the content, the creativity, and he made us really stand out powerfully on the market and, and sharing confidently what we have to offer. So working with other types rather than just working with the same types is really good for effectiveness of any kind of team. Yes. Oh, I love that. So that's another um, great insight. And Hans, I'm sorry to say we are running out of time for today. <laughs> it's been a real pleasure. Oh my gosh. Do you have any last uh, thoughts you would like to share with us? I'd really encourage everybody to go on this kind of journey, whether you use the Enneagram or something else, really understanding yourself, what drives me, what values, what fears, what motivation. It's a fascinating journey. And also showing an interest in other people, what drives them, um, what, have, what are their fears, their dreams and objectives. And it's a journey that really makes us more self-aware, more emotionally intelligent, and empowers us to be more effective in creating the life outcomes that we want. Exactly. I love that. I love that. And thanks again so much, Hans, for being with us today and sharing all of that amazing wisdom. And for those of you who are listening or watching this, please make sure you check the show notes because we will be dropping Hans links in there so you can connect with him and learn more with him and from him. And uh, yes, until we connect next time, I just wish you lots and lots of peace and joy.